Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineout Podcast. A bit of a free script, this one. Uh, usually, like I say, what I like to do is is base it off uh, the weekly blog. Uh, but this week, I haven't really had a chance to get around to do the weekly blog. And also, um, I didn't really have enough kind of content to actually structure a blog together. So this is kind of a little bit more of a if you like a free stream of consciousness uh, about uh, the week. And the only one thing that really stood out to me in terms of what's happening in the rugby world, um, and that is uh, the announcement of Gregor Townsend, the Scottish coach, getting his contract renewed. So we'll talk about that a little bit and then basically just go through the competitions um, that got played out last week. Um, the URC, uh, Super Rugby, and uh, look ahead as well to this weekend's uh, Toronto Arrows game after their uh, break last weekend. Um, and, you know, I think through coming coming through that, the, the general theme of, of particularly looking at the URC, um, you know, Irish rugby looks in particularly rude health, um, and as as well as the URC, uh, Leinster looking to get that fifth star on their jersey in the Heineken Cup a weekend later, uh, in the Heineken Cup final against La Rochelle. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about uh, how you know what good what a good state Irish rugby's in. Um, but as most of you know, having listened to this podcast or read the blog, uh, we've all been there before. Um, this year does seem to be genuinely different heading into the World Cup. Um, but yeah, um, I think, you know, we have to be careful. We can't read Ireland's successes this year so far, you know, Six Nations Grand Slam champions, looking for a clean sweep of the URC and the Heineken Cup. We can't read too much of that into how uh, they're going to do at the World Cup because history has sadly proven us wrong. I do think this year is different. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But first up and foremost, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the appointment. Uh, well, not the appointment, but the contract extension of Scottish coach Gregor Townsend. Um, very much not if you if you kind of read all the media surrounding it, uh, social media, etc. The extension of his contract is certainly he is not the people's coach. Um, it doesn't really seem to be a very popular decision in Scotland. And I think to a certain degree, you can understand why uh, he is now the longest serving ever Scottish coach. Um and the results are kind of middling, really, when you think about it. Uh, this year, okay, sure enough, they finished uh, third in the Six Nations. But, you know, there has been a consistent theme uh, running through uh, Gregor Townsend's reign at the, at the helm of Scottish rugby. And that is just a general lack of consistency, whether it's consistency in selection, whether it's consistency in results. But, you know, despite the considerable talent uh, that Scotland is able to draw from a relatively small player pool, um, under Townsend, there just hasn't been, you know, there's, there's 
tantalizing glimpses of what they could be, but they just never really seem to get there. And you just look at every Six Nations campaign pretty well since he's been in charge. Start off relatively well, and then they just peter out towards the end. Um, and I think even if you take this year as, a, as an example of that, despite that third-place finish, you know, they... They got off to a good start uh, against England, um, and you know thereafter a, a good a good go round uh, with the Welsh. But th- after that, it all kind of fell apart. Um, you know they they were not particularly impressive uh, against the French. Um, they kind of let that match slip away from them, and they were just stop and start throughout the whole match uh they got kind of shown the door by by ireland particularly in the second half um and then against italy you know they they were in serious danger of losing that game uh their last game at home at murrayfield now they didn't but you know there's there's just that this team could be so much more and it isn't. So I, I can understand the kind of frustration um, that Scottish supporters must be feeling about that decision. And then I think secondly, what's even more frustrating about it for Scottish supporters is the fact that it's only till 2026. So what then happens after 2026? You know, you're 18 months out from the next World Cup in Australia. And that's you know, that's, I mean, it hasn't really been said in all the, the press releases about his contract extension. Is this performance or merit-based up to 2026? And then if the results aren't there, are they simply going to appoint a new coach? But I think as everybody knows, is that really something you want to be doing a year to 18 months out from a World Cup? Um so yeah, I, I think it's it's very problematic, um, and uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. But I, I like I say, I think for for those two reasons, I think the fact that his his results have been, you know, he's had some great games, he's produced some great results uh, for Scotland in individual matches, but not enough to can you know, string together a consistent set of results in anything that they do, whether it's at World Cup level or international level or at Six Nations level. So that's frustrating for supporters. And then I think, you know, appointing somebody to essentially only just over halfway through the next World Cup cycle and the disruption that that will cause in Scotland's preparations for the World Cup in Australia not an ideal situation. So I think, yeah, a lot of questions to be answered by the, the Scottish union. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's still definitely not the people's choice. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out both in the upcoming world cup and, uh, the subsequent years after that and the build up to the next world cup, we shall see. But yeah, so that was, that was, I think for me, the big talking point that came out of, sort of the, this week's rugby news. Um, and then, you know, with with basically uh, playoff status in both the URC and the Heineken Cup, obviously there was no Heineken Cup action this weekend uh, with all eyes being focused towards uh, the final next weekend in Dublin. But, you know, obviously there's a lot, a lot of talk about, uh, about Ireland. Uh, you look at the URC, there are three Irish sides in the semifinals. 
um, and in the Heineken Cup, it's Leinster versus La Rochelle. So certainly Irish club rugby, uh, its form in Europe is is dominant, and they certainly seem to be able to make a name for themselves against South African opposition. So, um, and South Africa being in Ireland's pool at the World Cup, you know, that throws up a lot of very interesting scenarios. But certainly you can understand why the prognosis is very positive for Ireland uh, going into the World Cup. If they do pull off, uh, which many are tipping them to do, and I, I have to be honest, I, I find it hard to disagree with those views. Uh, a clean sweep of the URC in the Heineken Cup uh, with a Six Nations Grand Slam behind them, Ireland will look very, very strong come the World Cup. Um, in their pool, they'll be playing against South Africa, whom through the URC, they have got to know extremely well and seem to be rel- relatively comfortable with. Um, and then facing either France or, or New Zealand in the quarterfinals. I think everybody, certainly from an Irish point of view, would prefer Ireland to meet New Zealand in the quarterfinals as opposed to France. Uh, with France being on home soil at the World Cup, um, and I think, to be honest, I think that's a that's a fair call. I think Ireland would want to finish top of their pool, uh, with France probably finishing top of their pool, which means they would end up with New Zealand um, in the quarterfinal against whom they have a very good track record in the last couple of years. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, but you know, certainly it's early days yet. Um, and I think any talk of, of Ireland going the distance is very, very premature. And as any Irish supporter will tell you, we've all been there before. So let's, let's not get too carried away and, and, you know, um, wait to see if Ireland can put their money where their mouth is or where the pundits mouths are. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the overall themes running through this week. I think, um, looking at the competitions themselves while we're still on the subject of Ireland. Um, yeah, I think the URC semifinals are really interesting. Um, I think it didn't really come as a surprise to me, Connacht actually managing to beat Ulster at home in Belfast. Um, I think it was a shock to most people with Ulster being ranked second in, in the URC tables this year. But their season has been stop-start. And I think, you know, the really interesting thing about Connacht, they're one of these nuggety little sides. And... Um, you know, I think it's a very tall order for them to travel down to Cape Town and take on the Stormers at home. But uh, this is the, to me, Connacht is, is just that the mouse that roared type of side. Um, not overly flash, but very capable, very gritty, and very good at just battening down the hatches and getting the job done when it matters most. So... I think this weekend's semifinal in Cape Town between Connacht and the Stormers could be a real eye-opener. And I would not be surprised personally to see Connacht pull off the the unthinkable. Uh, I think it is a long shot, but I certainly put it this way. If they did do it, I certainly would not be surprised. Um, 
And then the other semifinal is a classic Irish derby between Leinster and Munster, but Munster turn up uh, at the Aviva um, next Saturday looking pretty battered and bruised after um, their their win over Glasgow in the quarterfinals. And I have to admit, I had actually tipped Glasgow to win that one, but they didn't. Um, but, you know, it was a solid performance from... Uh, from uh, uh, glad, sorry, from, from Munster. So, yeah, however, the injury count on that was pretty high. RJ Snaven's out, Connor Murray's out, Peter Omani's out, um, whereas Leinster are not suffering the same kind of injury list. So I think at home for Leinster at the Aviva, even with uh, the presence of a significant uh, Red Army from Munster uh, in the stands at Aviva, I think it should, in theory, be a comfortable win for, for Leinster. So, yeah, um, which then means probably a Leinster, Leinster uh, Stormers final, unless um, unless Connick have something to say about it. But as I say, I think if you if you fancy a bit of a flutter, I, I don't know. I think Connick could be the surprise package of the weekend. Um, so we shall see. Interesting. Going back to what we were talking about earlier with the with the Gregor Townsend coaching debate, um, a lot of people are saying, "Well, you know, why wasn't, for example, say Franco Smith uh, considered for the post, especially, you know, uh, given what he's been able to do with Glasgow this season, where he's been head coach?" Um, a very valid concern, I think, or a very valid question. However. That being said, still not convinced by Franco Smith's coaching credentials at an international level. You know, you have to bear in mind that he was uh, the former coach of Italy um, until Kieran Crowley took over, and that was not a happy time for for either Italy or Franco Smith. So, again, I can see maybe... Um, there's a need if they if the Scottish Union are looking at Smith as a possible replacement for Townsend to have him settled into Scottish stru- structures in the shape of Glasgow for a bit longer. Um, but either way, it's going back to what I said earlier, given the timing of it, if they are to change coaches in 2026, uh, that's awkward timing. And it still doesn't really get away from the fact that, you know, Franco Smith's coaching tenure at an international level is is. A relatively unknown quantity and what little he has had hasn't exactly painted him in the best of light not that i think he's a poor coach but his certainly his time at italy wasn't particularly successful anyway we digress away from the urc um so yeah i think definitely some very interesting semi-finals this weekend like i say i think uh the one in cape town between connick and stormers i think that is is the one that is perhaps the biggest wild card, I think, with no disrespect to Munster. I think given their injury count, uh, proceedings may just be a little bit too much uh, for them uh, against a fully stacked Leinster side um, at uh, the Aviva. We shall see. And then in uh, Super Rugby, well, talk about uh, excitement. Um I've been talking a lot. I've been talking up Fiji and Drua all season. But, you know, they are now very much in the hunt for a quarterfinal spot. And I just think it's absolutely fantastic. 
But I think it also still goes back to what I've kind of highlighted throughout the entire season in the blog is how exciting this year I've found both the Pacific Island sides, Fiji and Drua and Moana Pacifica. I mean, look at last weekend, Moana Pacifica, who sadly are still winless this tournament. But as I said in the blog um, and the previous podcast, all their losses have been close. They're not often getting thrashed by opposition sides. They're in the hunt till the final whistle. But I mean, last weekend coming against, you know, one of the top sides in the competition, um, the Blues, who are ranked third on the table, to only lose by one point, 31 to 30, that was really impressive. Uh, I think, I think, you know, watch that space with Mana Pacifica. This season may not have been their season, but I certainly think next year uh, they are on the up and up. And in the interim, well, we've got the Drua, who are pretty well proving to be unstoppable at home in Fiji. Um, I think the, the fact that the, the Drua have had a ton of games this season at home in Fiji has been a rip-roaring success, a massive advertisement for the game, a huge confidence booster for uh, Pacific Island rugby in general, but particularly, I think, Fiji's uh, chances going into the World Cup uh, later this year. I think it's all been just positive, positive, positive. I can't see any negatives in it. But certainly with the Drua, I mean, they they are proving really difficult to beat at home and they've taken some big scalps. You know, they've taken the Hurricanes last weekend. They've taken the Crusaders. Um, you know, they are not to be messed with at home. And as, as all their their Kiwi opponents are saying and the, the, the pundits in New Zealand now in general, at home, Fiji, Fiji and Drua are a really tough, tough side to beat. So I think that's been fabulous for them. Um, I think, you know, as I say, this this season, the whole success of, of rugby in the islands in the shape of, of Fiji and Drua, and even Moana Pacifica without a win still, has, has been a really positive experience. But definitely in the case of the Drua, who are looking potentially now um, at a... Uh, at a, at a quarterfinal spot. Now that may be as far as they they go, um, but certainly you know they they've got some 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 good fixtures ahead of them. Um, they've got two more games at home. They are on the road to the Force this weekend, which I think, based on their form against uh, the Hurricanes, I think they could actually pull this one off. Then they're away to. Uh, the Waratahs, but again, you know, they get a good solid win against the Force based on the confidence-boosting wins they've had against some big sides this season. You never know. I mean, the Waratahs are not... They're hot and cold. And then, you know, their last two home games, uh, Moana Pacifica, they should grab that one. Um, and then against the Reds, I think they could claim a Red Scalp in Fiji as well. So, yeah, I think uh, Fiji and Drua looking very strong. As for the rest of the competition, well, you know, the Chiefs are unstoppable. Uh, I've already talked in the blog last week. I really feel that, you know, Weber, based on his performance, should Brad Weber, the uh, Chief scrum half, should be getting the nod for New Zealand starting number nine this year, come the World Cup and the Rugby Championship in just a few months' time. But we shall see. Um, 
but yeah, you know, New Zealand side is looking very, very strong. Uh, the Chiefs in the in first place on the log. The Blues in third, fourth. Uh, the, the Blues in third. Crusaders in fourth. Hurricanes in fifth. It's really just just the Highlanders who are essentially New Zealand's weakest link, uh, and by quite some margin. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, by the time you get to the semifinals, I could very much see it being a completely New Zealand affair with possibly only Australia's Brumbies having something to say about that. Um, but yeah, Australia's fortunes in the competition don't seem to be faring really all that much better this year. Um, the Brumbies, just as they did last year, are sitting strong, um, and are, ahead of every other Australian team by quite some margin. They sit second on the log. Um, you know, the Taws are, are in are in with a shout along with the Reds for a quarterfinal spot, but everybody else, uh, the Rebels and the Force and certainly the Taws and and the Reds, even though the, the Taws and the Reds are in the running for a quarterfinal space, their place looks tenuous. Um, and it just doesn't get away from the fact that apart from the Brumbies, uh, Australian sides just can't beat Kiwi sides. So, you know, by the time you get to, um, by the time you get to, uh, semifinal stages, probably there'll only be one Australian team in it, in the Brumbies. And even there, they're, they're struggling against, uh, New Zealand opposition. So, yeah, which does not bode well for Australia's chances come uh, both the Rugby Championship and the World Cup later this year. So, yeah, I think a lot of head-scratching for Australia to do. Um, so there's, again, been some shuffles in Australian management. Um, also, Eddie Jones, new to the job. Uh, not obviously new to coaching jobs, but uh, new to, to taking over the Wallabies um, and brought in at the last minute to cobble together, basically, uh, a, a selection of Australian players who have plenty of talent but seem to struggle against international opposition. We shall see. We shall see. And then last but not least, uh, the Arrows get back in action this Friday and at home here in Toronto where they will take on Rugby Atlanta. Um you know, Rugby Atlanta are third place in the East. Toronto are uh, the bottom team in the East and the second. Uh, and yeah, just really not looking sharp at all. They're, they're one of the two worst teams in the league as a whole, along with the Dallas Jackals. Um, but yeah, it's and, and the Chicago Hounds. But yeah, I, I just I really struggle to see Toronto's season getting any easier. Um, say they got Rugby Atlanta at home, followed by Old Glory uh, at home, but then they're on the road to the Free Jacks, and we all know how that went last time they met the Free Jacks, eighty to five, uh, not pretty. They're up against one of the top teams uh, the, in the in the West, the Sabercats and San Diego Legion, as their second to last uh, games, and then their final game. I say their final three games are at home, but I say they got the Sabercats and the Legion, and then their last game at home is against is uh, Louis Nola against New Orleans, which you know they could win, um, but emphasis seems to be very much on approaching every ad 
Arrows game this year so far with, well, they could win, but whether or not they will. Um, you know, nine rounds in, only one win to their to their name. It doesn't paint a particularly pretty picture. Um, I really hope for the team's sake, having had a bit of a break, um, they can salvage some pride in these last uh, six rounds, especially with four of those rounds being at home. But it's a pretty tall order. They just haven't looked the business this year. Uh, there's been sparks of brilliance, um, especially with uh, winger D Spence uh, Bowen. Also, I think Ross Browdy at scrum half has really shown some talent. But overall, as a, as a team, they're just not cohesive and they're just not firing. So we shall see what these last six rounds bring. But I, I really do hope that... Uh, Certainly by the time they get home for their last three games that we can salvage some kind of pride um, and progress and optimism for, for next season. You know, this season was a learning curve and a pretty painful one at that in terms of squad rebuilding and readjustment, uh, new coaching regime. Uh, you know, we need some successes in it. But uh, so far, those haven't been forthcoming. But hopefully, uh, by the end of the season, we'll have pulled something together to to build a platform for next year. And I think that's the best the Arrows can hope for out of what has been a pretty pretty uninspiring season, to, to be honest, as, as hard as it is for me to say that. So anyway, let's, let's wish the boys luck. Um, Hope you can get out there Friday night, uh, 7 p.m. at York Lions Stadium and get behind the boys because I think they'll need it. I think that will be a tough game against Atlanta for them. But we shall see. But yeah, that's pretty well rugby in a nutshell this week, at least from what I saw of it. Um, like I say, sorry for the kind of uh, free flow of consciousness in, in this podcast. Um, I hope to uh, be a little bit more structured next week. but. Uh, Anyway, onwards and upwards. So yeah, enjoy the the fine weather. I've been just been down on the beaches enjoying uh, enjoying the uh, I guess what the official start of spring, if we can call it that now, and hopefully it'll stay. But yeah, time to get those brides out and uh, enjoy the warm weather, and hopefully it's now here to stay. Till the next time we talk. Take care, everyone, and uh, I will talk to you soon.